Uh, we have two readings uh, this morning. The first is from Psalm 118, verses 22 to 24. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. The other reading is from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Well, he is risen. If, uh, if you uh, want to proclaim that, a good way of doing it is just by getting a hat. It's not too hard. You can just wear a hat. It's actually a really well-fitted hat. Uh, you can collect one of these from Lee Murray. He put his hand up. If you go and walking, you'll find him as well. Um, but Lee will have these hats. And um, yeah, you can go... Uh... How much are they, Lee? Free. Free. Free for a hat, and it's a good hat. So please, if you are the, the only prerequisite of grabbing a hat is that it's not going to live in your cupboard. It's going to live on your head. That's the only prerequisite. So if you grab a hat, um, I want you to be prepared to, to wear it as well. So that would be good. Um, but they are free, and they're a good way of starting a conversation about faith with someone. Well, it's great to see everyone here again. Uh, hands up if you were here on Thursday night. There's quite a few of you, yeah, it's good. And then again on Friday morning, yeah, that's great. And then again here, and I know a lot of you have got your hands up at home as well, um, which is really good. Uh, we sort of say that Easter is a journey. It's, it's not just one service we have, or it's not just three services that are separate. We have one service that goes across the three days because it does take us on the journey of the story of Easter. So we started out on Thursday evening and we heard from the disciples, from the voices of some of the disciples, their reflection as they sat around the table on that last meal that they had with Jesus. 
We saw Jesus' servanthood on display as he grabbed the bowl and the towel and stooped down and washed the feet of his disciples. We saw how he cared for them. And then he shared this meal, that a meal that was, it was, it was so different to any other meal that they had because it was a meal that had such weight to it. A weight that they didn't understand on the night, but a weight that we continue to understand now. The body broken, the blood shed. Then on Friday, we actually, if you weren't here, we listened to the sounds of the cross and we reflected on the cry of the psalmist in Psalm 22, who, who is a, it's a psalm of pain, of trapped, a person trapped in anguish, in pain, under mockery of the people that are around him. And we saw Jesus being willingly led into a place where that was happening to him, where he was beaten, mocked, shamed. And it caused him to cry out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this morning, we leave the tomb, but we're filled with joy because we found that tomb empty. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So we've been journeying to Easter looking through the Psalms, and we've been able to see how the Old Testament songs were not only foreshadowing much of the good news to come, but they were a source of continued hope for the promised Saviour. So this morning we're going to dip back into Psalm 118. If you've got your Bibles there, if it's on your phone, you might want to open it up and have a, have a, a look through it. But it's, um, we looked at it last week in, in, on Palm Sunday. But we're going to only look at a few passages this morning and consider the stone that was rejected. The same stone was then restored. And the same stone became the foundation stone, the cornerstone of the Christian faith. So let's pray and we'll get into the, looking into that. Our Lord and God, I pray that you help us to understand your word this morning. You help us to find joy and hope in it. And that we may leave as renewed people. People who are, have our firm foundation based on Jesus Christ. The risen Saviour. Amen. So Psalm 118 gives us one of the most often quoted verses in the New Testament. Uh, we, we heard it read this morning. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You hear it and you go, I know those verses. We hear it in the, in the gospel writers' voices. In Matthew, Mark and Luke, they all quote. Oh, Jesus is quoting it in their, in their um, gospels. Peter quotes it in Acts 4.11. Paul makes reference to the cornerstone in Ephesians 2, verse 20. Peter, in his book, quotes it as he talks about the living stone that was rejected by man, but chosen by God. But as we look at the context of the psalm, Psalm 118, remember the joy that comes from the Lord. We hear the psalmist proclaim, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. His love, his steadfast love, endures forever. It's a psalm of joy, of joy over, over victory, joy of the victory. Now, we believe in the divine inspiration of Scripture for sure, but I'm sure that the writer wasn't expecting his song of joyous victory to be a prophetic voice for the Messiah that was to come. Yet that's exactly what it became. And as we hear the words read to us, we can't help but be drawn back to Jesus, the man that was rejected, 
The resurrected Jesus becomes the cornerstone, the way that we understand Christianity today. So we're going to look at the stone rejected to start with. Now, I don't know a whole lot about building, and if you ask me to build something, you're probably asking the wrong guy. But um, I was thinking about the, stone, or the building bricks that, that are built, used for building, and I, I thought, I wonder how you choose a good brick over a bad brick. I wonder how you choose which one's good and which one gets rejected. I wouldn't have had a clue. I sort of looked at them, look, look at a brick and go, do you see cracks? I don't know. Like most bricks look like cracks in it. So I, I went to the, the, the people that can help, the internet, and, uh, and just Googled, how do you know a good brick from a bad brick? And I came across uh, this guy who couldn't speak English. I, think, I reckon he was Bengali. They, they make a lot of bricks in Bangladesh. And um, I, I went there and it's just bricks made everywhere. It's incredible. And he showed us how to tell a good brick from a bad brick. Um, so if you're building, you, you, this is the way you could do it. You get a bucket of water and you put all your bricks in the water and you leave it for 24 hours because every builder's got 24 hours to wait for bricks to soak in water. And then he picked up the bricks out of the water. Is anyone, any builders going, what are you talking about? Has anyone ever done this? No? Anyway, he takes the bricks out of the sort of gives them a pat dry, gets them to about six foot high and then he drops it. If the brick doesn't smash, it's a good brick. If it smashes, it's a bad brick. Makes sense. Wasn't convinced, wasn't convinced, as I can see your stunned faces, you're not convinced either. Um, I'm sure there is an easier way to work it out. But, but obviously, building, you need some quality control over the bricks that you have, don't you? When it doesn't do the job that it's expected to do, you might reject it. Uh, you toss it aside, you reject it. It's not going to work for the role. And those smushed bricks that this poor bloke had were not going to be any good in his building. We see it at the, at, the, at the supermarket even, don't we? The things that are rejected, even though they're still fairly useful. You see, Woolworths have got the odd bunch fruit and veg. Anyone come across the odd bunch fruit and veg? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It looks a little different. Um, the fruit's been rejected because they don't sit shiny on the, uh, on the display stands, but they still act perfectly good as a carrot or a pear or an apple. They just don't quite look right. They were rejected because they didn't fit the mould of what was needed to display so that people would come and go, how wonderful does this look? I'll take that apple. Um, they don't do it like that because they're perfectly good fruit, but they've still been rejected. You can see where I'm going. Jesus was seen as the stone that was set aside, rejected, because he didn't look the way he should look for the Messiah. He was born to parents. He couldn't get anything better for him to be born than a food trough to use as his first bed. He was a carpenter's son, and he just worked away with his dad most of his life. He started this itinerant ministry as a rabbi who told stories in the forms of riddles. Most people couldn't figure it out. Most people went, what is he talking about? He did things that made the religious people really upset, like healing people on the wrong day. He just didn't fit the mould of the Messiah. Even when he stood in front of Pilate, Pilate couldn't see any issue with him. Just another ordinary bloke, probably looked at Jesus not as a mercenary ready to overthrow the Roman structures, but an ordinary man. Then finally they hung him on a cross. And one theologian described it as looking more like a street accident than a saviour. Jesus was tossed aside. 
He was spurned, he was mocked, he was hurt, he was rejected, he was killed. The stones that the builders rejected. However, God uses the unlikely to make something beautiful. Martin Luther allegedly said that God had car- could carve the rotten wood and that God could ride the lame horse. And the, the psalmist re- reflects on the, the rejected stone, this set aside and seemingly unuseful stone, and says it can be used for making a grand building. Jesus rejected and brutally executed. Everyone turned away from him. His grave was sealed. It seems pretty final. John's Gospel reiterates this. John 1, chapter 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world came to being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his people did not accept him. He was rejected. The psalmist sees this rejected stone, but he sees that there's more for it. Let's look into the stone that's been restored. Many of Jesus' followers, they gave up hope after Jesus' arrest. There was his faithful few, for sure. Those who were waving palm branches before, though, a week before, they weren't there. They weren't around. The Messiah was not meant to die. If Jesus was the one, why is he being put in a tomb? He would not have left that way. But as we've heard this morning, Jesus, as that rejected stone, beaten, broken, killed, he did die. There's a finality to death, isn't there? Yet through the resurrection, there's a victory over death. See, Jesus' resurrection is a powerful reminder that death has been conquered. New life becomes available to each of us who believe in Jesus. And as Jesus cried out under the weight of our sins on the cross, the resurrection opens us up to the freedom that we can have to live a life pure before God. The resurrection gives us the assurance that Jesus is who he said he was. We can build our lives on the solid foundation, this cornerstone, because of his love and his grace. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, it says this in Matthew 28, verse 9. It says, Suddenly Jesus met them and said to them, Greetings. And they came to him. They took hold of his feet. I find that interesting. Took hold of his feet. And they worshipped him. They bowed down to him. They got low to him. Maybe they were reflecting on the week before where Jesus got down and washed his feet. The resurrected Jesus brought the disciples to a place of worship. And it's that resurrected Jesus that causes us the joy of worship. We can find joy in our new life. Hope that comes from worshiping not a dead saviour, but a living saviour. A risen saviour. Not one who was rejected and set aside and left, maybe like a child's toy, but one that, although rejected, has been restored, made new. But a stone which is also not just there, it's become the cornerstone. The psalmist reminds us that the stone that the builders rejected has actually become something very important, the cornerstone. The term cornerstone literally means head of the corner. And the cornerstone was the, the headstone of a building. It was the stone that needed to be placed 
correctly. Everything else revolves around the cornerstone. If the stone was not set right, the building would be out. A builder would never, therefore, use a stone that had been rejected as the most important stone or, or brick in the building. Yet this is exactly what God saw fit to happen. This small verse in a Psalm 118, a psalm about victory and joy, he talks about a rejected stone that becomes the perfect emblem for how God achieves salvation through Jesus. Peter, he, he speaks to the religious leaders in Acts chapter 4 and he reiterates exactly, th- exactly this. Let me read it to you. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. You know, he said you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. You see, Peter is making the point to the very leaders who rejected him, who continue to oppose anyone who follows him. And despite of that rejection, Jesus became the foundation of this new way, of this new faith. Everything rests on him. Psalm 118 moves on to verse 23 and it reminds us that God's, uh, it's all of God's orchestration. The Lord has done this, it says in verse 23, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, we don't know exactly what the psalmist was originally referring to there, but we're joyfully celebrating today that, that the meaning that has been echoed that the gospel writers that Peter and Paul have said that the resurrected Christ has not only been raised to life, but has become that cornerstone, the keystone, the foundation stone of our faith. The resurrection brings us the hope and the assurance that we can build our lives around him. It assures us of salvation. It demonstrates the power of God and it builds faith in us. Perhaps the psalmist didn't know he was writing a psalm that was going to be a prophetic, prophetic voice of the Saviour to come. Perhaps he had something else in mind when he talked about the rejected stone and the cornerstone. But whatever was going on, the response that he gives in the rest of the psalm is worth taking note of. Psalm 118 verses 26 to 29 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon you. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. As joy that comes from this rejected stone that has now become the cornerstone. Blessed is he, the rejected and restored stone, the cornerstone. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. The rejected stone has become the cornerstone. Jesus, through the resurrection, has become the cornerstone of faith for everyone who believes. And it's certainly worth us giving joyful thanks to him. His love endures forever. 
As we finish our Easter weekend, please don't leave here without really reflecting on the journey that we've had over the last few days. The journey from the night Jesus reclined around the table eating his last meal to his betrayal and death to the resurrection of today. My hope is you don't leave here uh, without a renewed trust, a renewed hope in the power of the resurrection to transform your life and bring extra hope for the future. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you so much that your, your, your word brings us hope from the Old Testament to the New Testament, through the gospel stories to the faithful servants afterwards. We find hope in you. The rejected stone that has become the cornerstone. Jesus, you are the foundation of all we are. We give you thanks and praise. Amen.